0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Duck's Dish podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Sports Illustrated on Fan Nation. We are coming to you live from beautiful Eugene, Oregon. Uh, Whether you guys are joining us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or here live on YouTube at Oregon Football, Max Torres, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to talk some ducks with us. We are so glad to have you here. If you guys are watching on YouTube, definitely go ahead and uh, hop in the live chat section and, and throw some questions my way, throw some comments my way. Just want to know what's on your guys' mind. Um, we're going to talk about, in this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about the six Ducks that got invited to the NFL Combine. Um, that is the second most in the Pac-12. We're also going to be talking a little bit here off the top about uh, women's hoops uh, and, and their game today against Washington State. I also want to get into some more big picture uh, kind of think, thinking with uh, regard to Oregon's NFL image uh, within, with regard to, you know, kind of how that factors into where the Ducks stand um, compared to a lot of other big time programs like Alabama, Georgia, who the Ducks are playing next year and all kinds of things like that. So um, before we get into all that, just to ask a quick favor you guys to, to go ahead and, and subscribe to the channel. Um, that's a tremendous help and, and uh, go ahead and share the show. Um, and, uh, that's just a, a big help for us and it helps us keep doing what we're doing and, and getting the podcast and, and our content in front of more people. So with all that being said, we're going to start off, uh, today's show talking about, uh, Oregon women's basketball. The, the ducks got a huge win on the road over Washington state. Uh, they went out to Pullman and, and here's the box score. They get a, a huge bounce back win, uh, after a really rocky trip in uh, the desert, they won by a score of eighty-three to thirty, so uh, an absolute beatdown uh, for the Ducks. Um, just some notes here on, on kind of what happened in this one over out there on the Palouse. The Ducks built a lead of twenty-one to two eight minutes into this one, and they hit nine of their first twelve shots, so they got really got things going offensively and got into a groove there. But um, you know, it was really a complete effort because the the Ducks really clamped down on defense to start this one out. Washington state didn't score for about the first two minutes of the game. And then here's a, a crazy number that really stands out. Uh, Washington state saw, shot just 17.5% from the field, the entire game. And uh, they only made 11 total shots. As you can see there on your screen, if you're looking at the stats that I'm sharing here and uh, the ducks only allowed 30 points, which is pretty insane and that's the second fewest points allowed in school history. Um, just some other notables here. Uh, three Ducks uh, were able to score in double figures. You have India Rogers with 17 points, uh, knocking down three three-point shots and adding six rebounds and three assists and 27 minutes of action. Tahina Pow Pow with 14 points, two for six from uh, the three-point range and also adding six boards and four assists of her own. And, um, we also had Sedona Prince who, uh, was back in the starting lineup, uh, today with Niara Sabali uh, not playing, she was unavailable, um, in this game. So Prince back in the starting lineup is certainly, uh, something to, you know, of note. So 12 points for Prince on five of six shooting. And she also added, uh, eight rebounds. So, um, I think it was overall just a, a great showing by, uh, by the ducks and, um, Really good for them to, to get back in the win column with uh, how, you know, that, that road trip to Arizona went. Definitely some some ugly games there, but uh, important to uh, bounce back there and, and get back in the win column. Up next for the Ducks, uh, the women's basketball team is going to be heading to Corvallis. Uh, just just about uh, 40 minutes away from us here in Eugene. Uh, I'll be there uh, as well as our photographer, Scott Bolt. So make sure you guys stay tuned in the Ducks Digest and follow us on uh, all our social medias. That's at mtoris sports for me, at Scott Bolt photo uh, for Scott. I believe that's his handle on both Instagram and Twitter. But um, definitely make sure you're giving Scott a follow over on Instagram. He has amazing work and is really talented with the camera. And then uh, we obviously post a lot of his photos over on our Instagram at Ducks Digest. So wanted to uh, hit on some women's basketball to, to start off here because we do, you know, we're an all inclusive Ducks podcast. We're not just talking football and, and football recruiting. And then I'll um, also of note, uh, we got some men's basketball um, coming up here. Uh, the Ducks welcome the Stanford Cardinals, Matthew Knight Arena in Eugene tomorrow. Tomorrow being Thursday, depending on when you're listening to this. We're recording it on Wednesday. Um, so the Ducks are coming off uh, two really big wins. Finally got that win over Colorado on the road in Boulder for the first time in program history, with Colorado obviously being a more recent addition. Uh, to the Pac-12 conference, they won that one 66 to 51 last Thursday, and then uh, over the weekend they beat Utah in a much closer game out there in Salt Lake City, 80 to 77. So Ducks get Stanford at home. Uh, some of the guards have, have really been playing well over uh, the past um, past little stretch here. The, the guards being you know Will Richardson, Davion Harmon, and Jacob Young. So uh, Ducks and Dan Altman looking to stay hot, welcoming Stanford to town on Thursday. And then the Ducks also get Cal uh, on Saturday. Another little basketball note that's worth mentioning: uh, Five-star forward Mookie Cook is going to be in town for an official visit. Uh, he's one of the top players. I believe he's a top five player in all of uh, in the whole country in the 2023 class. Um, you know, another thing that's uh, important to note with him is he's originally uh, out of Oregon, um, out of uh, you know Portland Jefferson High School, where the Ducks got 2022 safety signee. Uh, Trajan Williams but now he's playing his high school basketball out in Arizona but he's one of the biggest names in all of high school basketball and he's going to be here in Eugene for a visit so definitely make sure you guys keep an eye on uh, you know his social media and any updates coming out about him. So I wanted to hit on our little hoops updates there to uh, start things off off the top um, and then now I wanted to talk about some uh, football news. Um, I think one of the, the more you know, recent little tidbits to hit on here today is uh, Oregon got some pretty significant recruiting news when 2022 athlete Arles Boardingham out of uh, Birmingham High School in Van Nuys, California, announced his commitment to the Florida Gators. Uh, we had uh, Boardingham, you know, we had uh, his recruitment covered pretty extensively here over on Ducks Digest. Um, so you guys can definitely go read some, some of the stories that we had there uh, on the site. When you know he was talking about how he really, related well with Kenny Dillingham and uh, he was kind of being viewed and, you know, pitched his recruiting pitch was kind of being used as a hybrid tight end, which I thought would have been a really nice addition for Oregon since they still need some, uh, some playmakers uh, on offense right now, particularly at the wide receiver spot. Uh, If you look at, at Boardingham's decision and and kind of maybe what he was thinking about and some factors um, I think that the path to playing time was definitely probably a lot more direct uh, over at Florida um, Oregon's tight end room is really crowded, uh, especially heading into this year. You have some veterans coming back and Cam McCormick and Spencer Webb, uh, as well as Patrick Herbert, who hasn't been healthy for a while. So hopefully you can see some more of uh, Patrick Herbert this year in, in 2022. And then we also have the uh, freshman standouts, Terrence Ferguson and Maliki Matavao, uh that are going to be back in 2022. So definitely a really crowded room there. And that's probably the deepest Oregon's tight, ends room, tight end room has, has been in quite some time. And that's just assuming that D.J. Johnson moves the defensive side of the ball, which I think a lot of people uh, kind of think is the right move, uh, given that the Ducks have a need at edge rusher. And like I said, they're so deep on on offense. And D.J. Johnson was bouncing back and forth last year between both sides of the ball. So with Boardingham off to Florida, you know, I think that it makes a lot of sense just because, like I said, with the playtime. And then another thing that I'm interested to get some of your guys' opinions on is um, kind of how uh, these schools kind of become position you, right? Like you think of uh, Stanford and Iowa as tight end you. Well, Florida's had some really talented tight ends uh, come through. Obviously you're going to be thinking about Kyle Pitts, um, who I'm sure was kind of a part of uh, Florida's pitch to him, how he got moved all around. And then you have guys like Aaron Hernandez who came through and Jordan Reed, um, both who have had pretty successful NFL careers, Um, so I'm kind of curious, like that's one of the questions I wanted to post to you guys, like how how much does that kind of factor in, do you think, like, you know, when there is a new coaching staff, right, obviously Dan Mullen is, is out in Gainesville and, and Billy Napier is in, but since there's a new coaching staff, um, you know, a lot of new faces, how much weight do you think that carries? You know, does the school still kind of hold on to that title, like, you know, with Stanford and the whole tight end you situation, David Shaw has been there forever, So I'm kind of curious to see what people think about how much weight that that should carry or how much weight they think that carries uh, in this discussion, in this broader recruiting question. Um, So the Ducks don't have any tight ends in the 2022 class. Andre Dollar flipped to Washington State just before signing day. And then um, let's see. Yeah, they didn't have any tight ends there. And obviously missing on boarding him hurts. So the Ducks really just have one pass catcher now in the 2022 class in uh, Lake Oswego, wide receiver signee, uh, Justice Lowe. So I think that I talked about this on yesterday's pod when I talked about strengths and weaknesses for Oregon ahead of spring football. Definitely go give that a watch and a listen if you haven't already. But I talked about how Oregon's first line of wide receivers is, is I think, pretty good, even though it's very young. Chris Hudson obviously showed that that he's really starting to put it together uh, as is Troy Franklin and Dante Thornton, Isaiah Crocker as well. And then we'll see what seven McGee has to bring to the table. but um, I think that boardingham could have been utilized in in uh, the passing game pretty effectively if he came to Oregon, but that's one of the newer updates that that we kind of had uh, you know here on Wednesday. Um, since so many so much of the recruiting attention is now shifting to the twenty twenty three class and appropriately so i um, seeing that those guys are on the clock now, but now that Boardingham is is officially off the board, heading to Gainesville to play for Billy Napier and the Gators. Uh, the main target, I think or targets I should say for Oregon right now are Josh Connerly, the five-star offensive lineman out of Rainier beach in the Seattle area. And then um, I think a lot of people are also interested to see what happens with Chase Coda. I think with him being an Oregon legacy, the fact that Oregon needs some depth at wide receiver, That's definitely uh, it. it Makes a lot of sense, right? Especially since he didn't, you know, go to Oregon coming out of high school. The Ducks maybe want to circle back around it and try to add him. Um, Seems like the timing's right, but scholarship numbers and you know longevity with with how much eligibility he has uh, left in the tank, I think, uh, also come into play. So uh, that's kind of our our little recruiting um, recruiting update for uh, today's episode of the podcast. But um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about some of the ducks that got uh, invited to the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine. There were six in all. Um, I'm going to talk about each and every one of them in uh, the podcast today. And I also kind of want to hear about uh, you know maybe some guys that you thought should have gotten invites that didn't. I know one person that kind of came to came to mind was uh, Jalen Red, seeing that he was a veteran wideout for Oregon. But the six invitees were uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Beryl McKinley, Devin Williams, Johnny Johnson, C.J. Verdell, and Mikel Wright. So let's start this off by just kind of, I think, talking about Oregon's NFL image. I think it's, it's really interesting to kind of see how that's developed because let's be honest with ourselves, Oregon's NFL image is nowhere near, I would say, what the blue bloods of the sport, what their image is like, right? You know, you look at Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Uh, Notre Dame you could look at them Oklahoma they're they're definitely pumping guys out uh, to the league I think at a a much higher rate than Oregon but the the whole NFL I I think one of the reasons that you know NFL uh, production is so important for these programs is it's a huge part of the recruiting pitch for a lot of these guys that come through Eugene Uh, For visits, you know, a big part of that equation for them as recruits is which one of these schools is going to help me get to the league. And what better way to pitch that to a recruit than just say, hey, look at uh, look at all these all these guys that we uh, we've sent to the league. Um, You know, recently, Oregon is, I think, elevating that, you know, Mario Cristobal and the previous staff did a pretty good job of that with, uh, you know, two first round picks in each of the last two drafts. Justin Herbert at number six to the Chargers in 2020. He's been absolutely balling out. And then obviously you have Panay Sewell uh, to the Detroit Lions at number seven in uh, 2021, and then Kayvon Thibodeau is uh, next in line. It appears to to be a first rounder for Oregon. I think he's looking like the most likely lock in the first round. And and there's been uh, some headlines of late with um, with tibedo and and what some uh, NFL analysts have said about you know kind of what he um, you know what he brings to the table. If it's Todd McShay, I believe that uh kind of said some stuff recently that kind of had some people up in arms so let me let me um let me see what I can get to here um to kind of you know put this into better context about what some NFL draft experts are are saying about um are saying about Thibodeau okay let's see here give me just a second to pull this story up all right Okay, so here's, I'm just going to read the story. Uh, I'm reading it from Bleacher Report uh, from Paul Kasabian. And uh, I think in his story, he referenced what uh, McShay uh, had to say about uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. So I'm just going to read off of this story and and see kind of what, uh, what McShay had to say, right? ESPN's Todd McShay threw some cold water on the idea that Oregon edge rusher Kayvon Thibodeau, who was long who has long been projected as a strong candidate to be the number one overall draft pick in the 2022 NFL draft could even land in the top five reporting from the senior bowl in Mobile, Alabama. McShay said there were questions about his competitive fire related to other relative rather to other prospects. And then here's his uh, quotation. I heard a lot about Oregon defensive end cave Thibodeau, including concerns that he just doesn't play with the same fire as some other top prospects. His ceiling is high, but the floor is lower than what you want for a top five pick. And based on a handful of conversations, it wouldn't shock me if Thibodeau fell out of the top five. Speaking of which, it was very apparent this week the top of this draft, top of the draft, isn't nearly as set as it normally is at this point. Picks at the top of the first round might be a little more based on team f- flavor than recent years. And then Thibodeau uh, quote tweeted, um, you know, that little tidbit uh, and responded to it on Twitter, saying, "Believe in yourself, even if you're the only one." So I think with, with regard to Kayvon Thibodeau, he's, he's obviously the the best draft prospect for the ducks here in 2022. Um, he has a very strong body of work at Oregon, but I don't think his competitive fire is, is definitely, um or his fire, the fire that he plays with rather is uh, worth questioning. Cause he, he always left it all all out there on the field. I think if anything, my, my only, concern or, or knock if you could call it would be the consistency you know he didn't start off the 2021 season the way that he wanted to uh after having a dominant showing against fresno state he forced that fumble on jake hayner early in that game the ducks were forcing fumbles left and right that game lots of turnovers but then he obviously got hurt missed the um missed the ohio state game which was a, a huge game and i think one that a lot of people didn't really expect uh oregon to win but they did anyway um and then he missed the stanford game as well I'm sorry, he played, that was the game he got back in uh, against in the Stanford game. Then he had the targeting call, and then that forced him to miss half of the Cal game. But he had some really big plays in that one, and I don't know if the, if the Ducks win that game without him. If you guys remember how, how down to the wire that game was uh, in Austin Stadium. So Kayvon Thibodeau, I think one of the things I really liked about you know my time being able to be here in Eugene covering him was obviously his development as a pass rusher, but also in the run game. I think, you know, when NFL, you know, scouts are looking at these uh, prospects, you know, you, you want to have a guy that really has a complete uh, skill set, you know, all of the tools in his box, I think is kind of some something along that for the for the phrase. You don't want a one-trick pony, basically, is kind of what I'm getting at, right? You know, even the the Miles Garrett's the Aaron Donalds, I feel like they're really, really talented, you know, overall players. So I think that that's one of the biggest strides that I saw KT take. I think he's going to thrive in whatever locker room that he lands in. But also you have to look at, I think it maybe isn't the worst thing in the world. If he does land outside the top five, I think that it's, it's good, obviously for Oregon to, to have a a high pick, uh, in the draft, but at the same time, it kind of helps him if he's not going to, you know, one of these garbage teams that like, you know, like the jets or the Jags or the lions that are continually drafting, um, really, really high. And one other quick note, just for the folks that are here on YouTube. I wanted to have some kind of video component for highlights, but I didn't want to. I don't think if I got KT highlights from Oregon on YouTube. I'm pretty sure I would get a uh, copyright uh, claim on that. So what I thought would be kind of cool is since a lot of these guys are looking at going to the NFL draft, let's rewind the clock a little bit and watch some of their high school highlights to kind of you know see what what they've uh, you know developed from, right? So here's a Kayvon Thibodeau's uh, junior season highlights. I couldn't find the senior ones, but uh, came out of Oaks Christian, obviously in in Southern California, just an absolute beast. I think one of the videos that really um, comes to mind when I think of KT's high school career is when he was playing against Calabasas, which is the home of former Oregon wide receiver Micah Pittman. And he just got in Pittman's face during the pregame uh, handshake and was just saying, wish you the best, baby. And he was just super fired up. So I think he's he's an awesome competitor. Um, you saw how much of an impact that he had at Oregon. How offensive coordinators had to scheme around him, and um, really had his coming out party in 2019 against Utah in that Pac-12 championship game, uh, and then 2020. Um, I, I thought he was you know pretty solid. So I think that just the consistency would probably be one of the biggest things that that stands out to me. But he's obviously incredibly athletic, has a really high motor, um, and, and a, a fast first step. So. Kayvon Thibodeau is 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 critical, I think, to to Oregon just because of the of how much he's elevated himself and the Oregon brand. You know, the success that he had at Oregon, I think, is going to be is going to be used for years to come. You know, when they're looking for that next edge rusher, they're they're the coaching staff's going to be saying, "Come be the next Kayvon Thibodeau for us here in Eugene." I know for a fact that that was a pitch that was being used uh, on Cyrus Moss or for Cyrus Moss rather. Uh, before he ended up in Miami, but the coach was, the coaching staff was saying, you know, come be the next Kayvon Thibodeau. So hopefully Oregon can, you know, hopefully for Oregon's sake, Kayvon Thibodeau can, can be a, another success story in the NFL. Um, and that, and that'll, you know, him being drafted will be three straight years of the first round draft pick for, for the Ducks. And I think he's another guy that, you know, talking about the combines, since he got invited today. I don't know if he'll do all the drills. Um, you know, I think some people Tend to be a little selective, depending on you know what's what's uh, their what their situation is. But he's obviously a freak athlete, and I feel like he'll test well. Um, I think the last that I saw him for, like kind of what he was listed, was probably in the six range and uh, two forty five, two fifty around there. So uh, Thibodeau, I think you know a, a lot is it's very important his future uh, in the NFL f- for the success of the Oregon program on the recruiting trail and just how they're viewed. Uh, you know, their NFL image, kind of like I was saying off the top here, but he was such a fun player to watch at Oregon. You know, I think when, uh, he was back on the field against Cal, you know, people were just getting super fired up. Um, and you know, for, for Arizona as well, I know that was a big game that, uh, people got excited about because I think that was his uh, actual return after, um, after getting hurt against Fresno state, he got like seven to 10 snaps. I want to say, and man, Austin was just electric when KT was back on the field. So um, he's going to be exciting to see. Um, I I, I don't know what the latest mock draft had him at. Maybe I can check that out right now and see what, uh, what, what analysts have him, uh, where they have him going rather mock draft 2022. All right. Let's see what trying to find the most recent one. So give me, give me a second here. Maybe I can find one that's more updated. No, that's not what I'm looking for. Okay, I'm looking at... No, I don't want to look there. Hold on. Let me see. Draft, NFL draft. Let's see if we can find combine invites, draft risers. Um, all right. I don't know why this is okay. Mock draft predictions for top prospects. This is from Christopher Knox uh, on February 9th. So today let's see where they have uh cave Thibodeau going. So the most recent one that I was able to find has cave Thibodeau going at number two to the Detroit lions uh, and uh, Detroit or sorry, Jacksonville taking Evan Neal, the offensive tackle out of Alabama with the number one pick. So uh, yeah, number two would definitely be tough. I mean, it, it'd be just because, you know, the the, Jet, the Lions aren't a very talented team, but it could be, it would be cool to see him, you know, back on the same team as, as Panay Sewell and then, you know, good on good, iron sharpens iron. You know, those guys would be going against each other in practice again, and that would only help the both of them. And Sewell was an absolute monster in his first year uh, with the Lions, and, and I believe he was the top graded uh, rookie offensive lineman in his in his class. So that's definitely a good sign for Oregon, but I think I've, I've hit, you know, kind of most of the points that I have for Thibodeau. Um, I think that it's really important for Oregon to have a guy like him come through because you want Oregon to become a destination for, you know, defensive linemen. I don't think that they're, you know, they're not, the West coast isn't really known. I think for, for defensive linemen in particular, certainly not as much as it's known for, you know, quarterbacks and, running backs, wide receivers, and, and corners. But, um, you know, having a guy that that was the number one recruit in his class, I believe, uh, on the ESPN rankings, he was he came to Oregon and he, uh, you know, was a, a really big success and is, is um, from everything that we've seen, going to go really highly in the draft. So it's another success story for Oregon that they're hopefully going to be able to use to recruit these top-tier players uh, moving forward. So that was Kayvon Thibodeau. And now I want to pull up some highlights for uh, the next guy that I want to talk about that got invited to the draft. So let me see if I can find some highlights from the high school days, Um, just because, like I said, I don't want to get uh, any kind of copyright strike um, over here on YouTube by using anybody else's stuff. So hang in there while I look for this. The next guy that I want to talk about No, that's not what I was looking for. Or was it? Sorry, folks. Where is... We want to talk about Varone McKinley. I think he's a a guy that I'm super excited about in the draft just because of how strong of a season that he had. Um, Now I'm just trying to see um, some other notes here so that I can make sure I'm pulling up the right video. Okay, here we go. All right, so we're going to be talking about Varone McKinley, Oregon's consensus All-American safety. Uh, he had an awesome twenty twenty-one season. He was uh, tied for the nation's leader in interceptions with six. Uh, I think what I really enjoy about Varone was, you know, I think you know we 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 say it all the time. I feel like you hear it said all the time about a lot of guys that come to Oregon, but he was really, really fun to cover at the press conferences. You know, he was one of the more, uh, you know, consistent guys that that uh, they gave the media um, availability, you know, to. And and he always had a lot of great stuff to say. Super, you know, focused, and you know, a guy that you could tell was the the leader of the defense. Right? He was the general. Uh, that's what uh, everybody um, you know, called him when, when he was here at Oregon. And it's, it's easy to see why, when you, you know, kind of look back on his Oregon career and how he was kind of one of the main leaders of that Oregon defense, along with Thibodeau, who we just talked about, uh, as well as Noah Sewell. I think Roe McKinley and Bennett Williams playing together was definitely one of the best safety duos that Oregon's ever had. Um, but I think that Roe McKinley was just such a, such a smart player. I feel like he had a really high football IQ, you hear that talked about a lot. And obviously you look at the six interceptions that he had. I think that speaks a lot to the uh, to him being in the right place at the right time and, and you know, the film study. Um, that was another thing that stood out to me. I think I remember uh, Marcel Yates was on the coaches show um, the, the week that they were heading into preparing for um, – oh man, who was the other team that they were playing? Sorry, give me a second here. Um, I think it was the the week that they were getting ready to play Stony Brook because I remember there was a lot of hype around that game. And one of the biggest questions was, how do you respond to, to having Stony Brook, you know, to playing them after you come off a massive win like Ohio State, right? You know, you can't just slip up, which, you know, the Ducks blew them out. But we know how, you know, how many close games they played in um, last year that they really shouldn't have. You know, they didn't have any case being in some of those close games. And I brought up that game because Marcel Yates, who was coaching the safeties last year, and now he's over at uh, Texas Tech with Tim who who is the new DC there. But Marcel Yates talked about when he came in on, on, it was either Sunday or Monday morning after the Ducks got back in town. And he came into his office early in the morning. I think it was seven o'clock or something. And, and Verone McKinley was there. He had his notebook. He said, hey, I want to start looking at film. I want to start prepping for Stony Brook. So he's just the epitome of the uh, student of the game. I think he just epitomizes that. Um, and he would, I think that there was definitely some, uh, you know, some of his tackling was a little questionable, uh, throughout the season and that he had some missed tackles every now and then. So that's probably something that he wants to work on, but the dude's a playmaker flat out. You know, you look at the interceptions and, and he also, uh, I think he forced a fumble on special teams at some point in 2021. So that speaks to his playmaking ability, um, and I think my favorite play, some of the big plays that stand out to me when I'm looking at Verone McKinley's Oregon career, obviously uh, I would say the interception that he had against Colorado, I think that was in 2019. I believe, yeah, that was 2019 because the Ducks didn't play Colorado in 2020, but it was in the end zone. The ball got tapped up and you know, batted up in the air, and, and Verone came in and toe-tapped it like a wide receiver in the corner of the end zone. If you guys remember that play, it was definitely one of the best ones of – uh of the season, I think on defense when the Ducks were just absolutely just dominant on defense. That was under Andy Avalos, Kayvon Thibodeau's freshman year in 19, Mikael Wright's freshman year in 19. So Verone McKinley is definitely a talented guy. And then you also have to look at the huge pass breakup that he had, I believe on third down against Ohio state. I think it was uh, on Jeremy Rucker, the tight end. It was definitely a bigger uh, pass catcher for the Buckeyes and, and Verone just turned, um well he had a big pass breakup when he you know he laid the hit on somebody I can't maybe I'm thinking of the same play but that was really big and then he also had a play where he turned his head around and uh batted the ball away kind of at the last second and, and that was big that Ohio State win is just going to be huge for Oregon moving forward because they're just going to be chasing that and looking to have that you know high level upset uh again in each of these seasons so I think Verone McKinley is is I'm, I'm not too great at draft projections so I don't know if I want to throw a, a grade out there or you know where I think he might fall but um you know see, seeing that he was a one of three finalists for the Jim Thorpe award I think really shows you how much he stands out among the uh, among the nation's defensive best defensive backs um, you know that's the, obviously the award the Jim Thorpe award is for the nation's best defensive back um, so he he was a, a guy that I really enjoyed playing um, and he I think he really just got better each year. Um, he was you know, super fiery, played with a ton of passion. And um, I think that uh, you know, he, he's what you want in, in a safety. And, and he's going to be kind of the, the bar that is set for, for Oregon um, at safety um, for years to come. So next up, we're going to be talking about uh, Mikkel Wright. And uh, he, he came to Oregon in uh, 2019 and I believe he might have been the highest-rated defensive back that Oregon's ever signed. Um, let me look him up real quick just to see what his, what his ratings were coming out of high school. If you guys are watching the live, thanks so much for uh, for being here. Hope everybody's having a good night. Uh, we're about halfway through the stream, looking to go about an hour tonight, talking about the six NFL Combine invites uh, from Oregon. Um, just got wrapped up talking about Rowe McKinley, And now we're talking about Mikel Wright, the cornerback out of uh, Southern California. So I got his profile up here now. He, uh, on 247 in the 2019 class, he was rated a uh, four-star prospect um, and the number four corner in the country and the number 41 prospect in the entire country uh, rated a .9783. So definitely one of the, the highest rated defenders to commit to Oregon and he made an immediate impact uh, during his time at Oregon, right? You know, he, it wasn't necessarily so much on, um, you know, on, in the secondary right away, but he also did a lot of great stuff for Oregon on special teams, which I think is, is definitely noteworthy. And I think I see, you know, a similar role maybe in, in, uh, you know, in the making with uh, Jalil Orange, Jalil Tucker, those guys. So I got, uh, I got some some high school highlights for Mikel Wright here just as to kind of rewind the clock and, and you know, look at some of these high school highlights as these guys get ready to go off to the NFL. Um, Mikel was definitely one of the fastest guys that, that we've seen at Oregon in, in quite some time. Um, I think he personally probably could have benefited from another season at Oregon um, just because I think he wasn't as consistent as he wanted to be. And um, also, I just mean, his his departure definitely leaves a hole for Oregon. Um, you know, in the secondary. I think that's another thing we can kind of talk about in this conversation is how big some of these losses are for Oregon uh, with these guys heading to the league. Uh, Jerome McKinley is definitely big as well as Mikel Wright's departure. It just leaves a lot of youth that uh, is going to be relied on now in the secondary. The Ducks added Christian Gonzalez, the Colorado transfer. I think he's probably going to be in a great position to be an immediate contributor for Oregon and kind of give them that veteran presence. But Mikel Wright was electric as a returner. I think that uh, his freshman year, he had two kickoff returns for touchdowns. You think about that uh, USC game. Um, I think that was huge when he, when he threw up the, the fight on being a Southern California guy. And, and when he, um, you know, when he returned that for a touchdown and playing for the ducks and Oregon had really just blitzed Southern California in that 2019 recruiting class. It was just like, so it was just awesome to see that happen. Cause it was kind of just a, a mark of dominance for the ducks. Uh, against USC and then he had another kickoff return for a touchdown against Oregon State so yeah Mikael Wright was it was definitely one of the the better cornerbacks that have come through Oregon recently and, and Oregon's definitely getting a, a strong NFL image and and I think reputation for uh, developing defensive backs now uh, the Pac-12 was you know pretty much always been viewed as a pretty pass heavy league and, and now I think Oregon's definitely uh, cementing themselves as one of the one of the better producers of defensive back talent um, you know, in the Pac-12. So you obviously have Mikel Wright, who who I'm pretty, pretty certain is going to get drafted. I don't know how high, um, just because he didn't have the best season. And in 2021, he did have that uh, awesome pass breakup. Or sorry, the awesome interception against Arizona. I mean, um, we, we have some pretty cool pictures uh, that Scott got of that. So you can go check that out over on our story uh, on these six guys that got invited to the combine. But that was really big. Um, and I think that you look at him, you look at Diamandor Noor, who's playing on the 49ers, and, and Thomas Graham, who's with the Bears, Brady Breeze with the uh, with the Titans, Javon Holland with the Dolphins, um, and the, the Ducks, like I said, they just keep putting out some some really talented defensive backs, so Mikhail Wright is, is uh, one of the more athletic defenders that we've seen come through Oregon in recent years, and, and I think that he's going to make uh, an NFL team pretty happy, and I think maybe because he didn't have the, you know, the best season in 2021, wasn't super consistent. I think he's a guy that might be a little bit of a sleeper in the draft. Maybe a team can kind of get him late, and uh, he's he's a bit of a steal. So, uh, Mikael Wright's definitely a playmaker, and I'm excited to see where he lands at the next level. So we're about halfway through now. The guys that we're talking about, uh, the six NFL draft, <coughs> sorry, NFL Combine invitees uh, for the Ducks. Um, now let's switch over to the offensive side of the ball and uh, talk about the remaining guys that we have um, here in Oregon's uh, 2022 draft class. We're going to be talking about CJ Verdell uh, running back out of modern day Catholic and Chula Vista. He was a silver pigskin winner um, his senior year, which I believe is awarded to the best running back in the uh, San Diego area. Um, or maybe it's just Southern California. It's one of those two, but CJ Verdell, man. I mean, what, what, uh what can we say about him? He was definitely one of Oregon's uh, best running backs. He, he definitely left a, a really good legacy, I think for the running back position uh, during his time at Oregon He came out of, came out of high school in the 2017 class and, and got some, some really good uh, play time as a freshman uh, listed at 5'8", 2'11", He's definitely on the smaller side, but he he definitely runs with a lot of power, uh, a lot of explosion, and um, he had a lot of really big plays. He won our uh, Ducks Digest uh, Play of the Year for 2021 for his I think it was 70 plus yard touchdown run against Ohio State on the road in Columbus at the Shoe. That was just an electric play, and and I think it really you know um, it really just feels like he he left. It was a um play that just shifted the the complexion of the game. It you know, really felt like Oregon was in total control there. So uh, let's see. Uh, I'm sorry. He, he didn't play his, his first. He uh, saw his most action um, coming out of high school in 2018, so he redshirted in 2017. But some of his final stats at Oregon, uh, 37 total games, 542 carries for 2,929 yards, so just shy of 3,000. Uh, he unfortunately got hurt uh, against Stanford in the 2021 season, finished with 27 rushing touchdowns. and then he added uh, added some production to the passing game as well, which I think is also really important when you're looking at what uh, NFL Scouts want at the next level uh, in addition to pass blocking as well. Uh, so Verdell added 58 catches over his uh, five year career at Oregon, excuse me. 58 catches for 610 receiving yards and three touchdowns through the air. So CJ Verdell was definitely one of the more consistent backs uh, at Oregon. I, I think sometimes his, his vision was a little bit questionable, um, you know, just trying to follow the offensive lineman. But in 2019, I mean, man, when when the, the ducks probably could and should have gone to the playoffs that year, that year, but you know, if you can't get the job done and, and you know more or less go undefeated in the pack 12 then you uh, you're not putting yourself in a good spot. But in that 2019 year, I believe it was the 12 and two year when they last went to the Rose bowl. Um, they uh sorry, excuse me, yeah, when they went to the Rose Bowl in twenty nineteen uh Justin herbert's senior year uh that offensive line was just absolutely dominant, and I feel like you know at least once a week you'd see c j just bursting through massive holes that you know jake Hansen shane lemieux, Penay sewell were uh, were opening for him, and he's a guy who who's super explosive i I think that um he's he's shown that he has. Pretty good. I don't know. Pretty good home run speed. I mean, I think he probably got caught from behind a couple times, but he had his fair share of really big explosive runs for sure. Um, and, and I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to see what what Verdell can do. Uh, he's definitely uh, a super strong runner, and and he, he packs a pop with his running style. So I'm I'm a little curious to see kind of where he goes in the draft, just because he was at Oregon for so long. And uh, he does have, you know, a lot of tread on his tires, and he did have some some major injuries, unfortunately. So you got to think, just for NFL teams, that that kind of presents a, a little bit of a a little bit of a red flag, if you will. But when CJ's healthy, man, he he's he's a dude for sure, and and he was definitely one of the one of the best backs in the Pac-12 while he was here uh, here in Eugene at Oregon. Um, you know, him, him and Travis Dye really held down that backfield and, and gave the Ducks a great one-two punch. You never had to worry about the running back position while he was here. Travis Dye is uh, off to USC and Verdell is uh, hopefully off to the NFL here. You know, a lot of Duck fans are hoping that he gets drafted. Um, and I think it's so interesting to look at the running back room now because it's, it's super open. I feel like, uh, you know, Byron Carbo might have the leg up from, from last year based on the production that he had. Um, but uh, it's, it's it's up for the taking. I think you know, we have seven McGee. We'll see where he, I think the, the ducks would be smart and Kenny Dillingham would be smart to kind of move him around uh, both as a receiver out of the slot and as a running back, you know, Jordan James, the 2022 running back that the ducks flipped from Georgia. Uh, that was obviously a huge move for them. Uh, then Sean dollars uh, looks like he's, re- he's healthy and he's ready to attack the year. So super fired up to see what he can do. Um, and, and the, the talent's definitely there, even though it's maybe a little bit more unproven than it has been in the past. So that'll be something fun to watch for sure. CJ Verdell is, uh, the fourth guy that we're talking about out of these six, uh, combine invites that the ducks received on Wednesday. So let's talk about our, our next guy that I think might be one of the most intriguing guys from Oregon in the draft. And that is wide receiver, Devin Williams. Uh, let me see if I can find his highlights first, um, before I get into talking about him. I guess there's a a lot of Devin Williams over there on huddle. Um, so give me just a second and we will, we will find him. So hold on. Let's see here. All right, here we go. Devin Williams. All right. Andrew's got some comments. So we want to make sure that we get those up there. Um, Andrew, thank you for joining the show. And thanks for your comment. Uh, D dub better put up some monster numbers or he's going to regret leaving early. I think it, it was interesting to see him leave early. Cause I felt like he was just hitting his stride, right? Andrew. I think it, it felt like he was just starting to become uh, Oregon's go-to wide receiver, uh, a guy that Anthony Brown could just rely on to, you know, kind of throw it up to and, and make plays in space as well. Um, and he just has a really interesting story because I think everyone thought he was going to go to Oregon coming out of high school. And and then he went to USC um, and one of the more bizarre commitment videos that I've ever seen, you know, you put that USC hat on and the entire gym was silent because they thought it was going to be Oregon. Uh, But he goes to USC and ends up coming to Oregon in 2018 or sorry, no 2019. I believe he spent one season at USC um, and uh I think, you know, the, the big thing with him was just the consistency. That was the, the reason that we didn't see him playing very much until the uh, second half of the season. Um, but, but he was, he was pretty, you know, he did pretty well when, when he was getting the ball. Um, I think he had, he was the only guy to have uh, I believe two multiple, yeah, multiple 100 yard games uh, against Oregon state. And then you have that big game against uh, UCLA when the Ducks debuted the Ohana uniforms. So I'm trying to pull up some of his stats right now. Um so in 2021, he had 35 catches for 557 yards and four touchdowns. Um, he was the first Oregon wide receiver this season to uh, turn in a hundred yard game at the time. Um, so obviously just, we saw how limited the passing attack was, but, but um, yeah, I think with, there was, there was a lot of reason I think for, for him to to come back. You know, I think he would have been the undoubted number one wide receiver, but again you'd have to uh, you know work with a new quarterback uh, whoever starts next year is going to be a first time Oregon starter um, so you wonder how much that kind of played into the equation but he's he's got i think he's a guy that's going to test really really well at the combine he's listed uh, at 6'5" 207 uh, so hopefully he, he can run well but he's he's got really long arms and he's just super super athletic so i think even though we didn't see as much of that production in Andrew as, as you know some of these NFL guys would probably want Um, I think that he's, he's certainly a guy that, that can make a case, uh, for, for being drafted here, uh, in this upcoming draft for 2022. And he's a guy that, uh, like I said, yeah, I don't want to repeat myself too many times. I think he was really starting to, to just put it together for the ducks and Eugene. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I I wish him the best and then he's going to be a a guy to, to watch for sure. We'll, we'll have uh, all the combine draft coverage, obviously over on ducks digest, but, Fun to talk about that now as well. Andrew also said, also as an Eagles fan, I'm praying the general falls to them in the third. He'd be an amazing safety. Yeah, I don't know if you if you uh maybe were here when we were talking about Verone, but he's someone I'm really excited to to see what he can do at the next level. Um, just because of his playmaking skills, his, his leadership, um the the passion that he plays the game with, and um he's just a hard nosed safety that I think uh, anybody would want on their team. So, um. Yeah, I don't, I don't know a whole bunch about the Eagles, but, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully he can land in uh, Philadelphia for you and, and you'd be happy with that. So we got uh, one more guy that I want to talk about. Um, and then maybe we can see if we have any other questions uh, about, you know, Oregon, Oregon football, Oregon football recruiting, hoops, whatever it is. Uh, definitely want to you know put that call to action out there so you guys can uh, ask your questions and, and get them answered. So let's see what uh, our last guy, Johnny Johnson, let's look at his high school highlights. I'm going to rewind the clock again. All right, there's multiple Johnny Johnsons, so uh, give me a second here while I look, look for him. Um, wow, that is the second person that I've... Oh, here we go. Maybe this is him. All right, here we go. Yes, Johnny Johnson. Um, Let's see if we can get his senior highlights because I'm just looking for the longest video here. All right, we might have to settle for his junior highlights, so bear with me here. Yeah, so Johnny Johnson, JJ3, um, one of Oregon's veteran wide receivers. Let me take a little sip of water here. I can't believe I haven't needed to take a drink for anything, and we're 47 minutes in now, about... Johnny's a guy with a, a really interesting story. I think, you know, for for people who weren't aware, he was a, a former UNLV commit, but Oregon offered late in the recruiting process and they instantly became contenders in his recruitment. And ultimately he ended up obviously going to Oregon. And um, I think when, when he first got to Oregon, it, it, he was really struggling. I think that, um, you know, it, it definitely said, uh, you know, says something about him that he was able to find the the field early, but it felt like he... You know, was just really having a hard time, you know, reeling in the ball um, earlier on in his career, but he just kept elevating every year, I felt like, and he kept getting better. Um, And I remember he had some really big plays in the Pac-12 championship game against Utah, just carving up the defense. Really, really good route runner. I think his physicality and um, route running are definitely two of his best traits. And then uh, he also has uh, some playmaking upside as well, you know, when he has the ball and gets some space to uh, operate. I think he was definitely a, you know, a glue guy with his veteran presence. And and I think that how we see these Oregon wideouts, these young guys, you know, the, the skinnies, right. That Troy Franklin, Dante Thornton, Isaiah Brevard, they go by the skinnies. Um, I think the the evolution that we saw from them this year, and then obviously going into next year, I think a lot of that could probably be, you know, owed to uh, Johnny Johnson and, you know, Jalen Redd, a guy who, who didn't get an invite to uh, the combine, unfortunately, but, Having those veterans in your room, definitely, I think, is, is you know a great way to obviously, um, you know, help teach the game to these guys, these highly highly touted high school guys, um, these former All Americans in uh, Thornton and Franklin, like I've mentioned. So having having a guy like Johnny Johnson in your room is is pretty invaluable. But I think the the work that that he put on film is definitely um, is definitely there. I am going to see what I can if I can get his stats up for the for the 2021 season, just so you guys can kind of see what season he had and, and what he brings to the table. Got to plug in my laptop here. So give me just a second while I do that. He had some really nice diving catches during his career at Oregon. And I think he, he's kind of underrated as, as an athlete uh, in that regard. But in 2021 um, he finished with, let's see. 25 catches for 311 yards and one touchdown. That touchdown came against uh, Fresno state and what would ultimately be his best game of the year. I think three catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. Um, so I think he's pretty polished fundamentally, I think, um, you know, from, from, you know, my, uh, my perspective. And I think that's kind of what, what goes with the, uh, you know, strong route running and, and uh, why I think he, he's valuable. Um, If you look at kind of the tradition that that Oregon's had at wide receiver, I think, you know, aside from Devin Williams, who I just talked about, they really haven't had, you know, too many like amazing playmakers of late. Um, You look at Dylan Mitchell, um, who I think came out in in 2018. He was uh, Oregon's last 1,000-yard receiver. And I think that receiver might be the position that Oregon, which maybe that's a good question. You guys can answer this in the comments or in the live chat what position do you want to see Oregon become more known for? I think wide receiver would be huge. Just when you look at geographically, how much talent uh, the, the Ducks have access to on the West coast at wide receiver, you know, especially in, in Los Angeles. Um, I think that having a better tradition at wide receiver and, you know, producing more wide receivers. So that would really help them if they can have guys like Johnson and, and Devin Williams get drafted. I think that would be big. Andrew says, JJ uh, kind of reminds me of cup good route runner willing blocker even if he's not the most physical physically gifted speed and size wise yeah I totally agree Andrew I think that um you know, Andrew's getting all the comments today um, but uh that that's that's some good insight I definitely agree with that I think he's he's pretty technically sound and, and he can make up for um, maybe we're not being as explosive or physically gifted potentially um, with with having some some really solid fundamentals and and I think that he still has. Uh, a solid skill set that he brings to the table, but maybe he could be a la- late draft, dra- late round draft selection. Gosh, words are hard sometimes. Uh, maybe he could be a late round draft selection, but um, I-, I think that uh, that he was definitely a-, a fan favorite. I think when he was at Oregon, um, like I said, just seeing his development, I think was was really fun to watch at Oregon um, after kind of struggling earlier on, but but taking a, b- a step forward each and every year that that he was here in Eugene. But Jalen Redd, maybe we could talk about him, uh, because he was someone who who uh wasn't invited to uh the the Combine. I think maybe part of that kind of goes with his size, because I feel like he might have even had more production than um than Johnny Johnson. Let me see if I can have their I can compare their stats a little bit. Because I feel like Jalen Redd's production might have even been a little bit better. So in 2021, that definitely wasn't the case. 13 catches for 197 yards and two touchdowns. But overall, Jalen Red in his Oregon career, 131 catches for 1,435 yards and 16 touchdowns. And then for Johnny Johnson, uh, you have 139 catches for 1,928 1, yards and 15 touchdowns. So actually pretty similar. Um we just see Jalen Red with, uh, or sorry, Johnny Johnson with about 500 more yards. So it really felt like he was making a push to be a guy who could maybe be a thousand-yard receiver in, in 2019 when he was with Herbert. That was definitely his best year at Oregon. Seven touchdowns that year. Um, so I, I think that um, getting getting some more successful wideouts would, is definitely going to be a big help. Um, have another comment here. I think this was in reference to my uh, question earlier, like what what position do you want to see Oregon uh, known for producing? He, and, and Andrew says quarterback because a quarterback can make average wide receivers look great, a la Brady, and there are so many hyper-talented Cali quarterbacks. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think that uh, Nico Iam, Iam Malayava, um hopefully I got that one right. Uh, he, you know, Nico, the, the quarterback out of Southern California, out of Warren High School in Downey, California, is definitely – I'd say one of the most sought after prospects for Oregon here in the 2023 class. And then you also have Jaden Rashada out of Pittsburgh High School. I have an update on one of his teammates uh, coming out here pretty soon. That's wide receiver Rashid Williams, a uh, 6'2 wideout that uh, just got offered recently by the Ducks after a workout at, at Pittsburgh High School when the staff went out to the East Bay and visited. Um, so maybe you could see those guys being a package deal, but I think those are some of the, the biggest targets for Oregon in the 2023 class, no doubt especially with how heavy the uh, the defensive class is um, in 2022, the defensive hall, I should say, it's a very defensive heavy class. You, you know, you want to get some guys uh, on board early here in the 2023 class on offense, cornerback Cole Martin at Abasha high school. And Chandler is already on that page is already uh, on board, I should say. So that's definitely a great guy to get involved early. And he's a guy that also adds a tremendous value in the return game, just super electric and, hard hitting guy, explosive guy. So I'm excited to see him uh, in an Oregon uniform and I'm excited to see what other guys, the, the ducks can add in the 2023 class, you know, quarterbacks are obviously going to be uh, really, really important. And I think that uh, Arch Manning is kind of the recruiting domino that we're waiting to fall nationally. I think that uh, once he has his school figured out uh, it's, we're going to see a lot of other schools, you know, make their decision, make their uh, build their classes. And we'll see these other quarterbacks uh, find their schools a lot of quarterbacks I think they want to take their official visits as soon as they can so those open up in the the spring and that's what Jaden Rashada told me when he visited when he uh, when I talked to him recently so Oregon's in a great spot to get an official visit from him Nico him and Nico were both on campus in the last month so I think that's a, a great sign for Oregon to, to get those guys on campus even while they were trying to finish out the 2022 recruiting class right you know you still got to kind of be everywhere at once if you're if you're a staff and you can't just be focusing on one class that's what we saw 2024 2025 prospects coming in uh, as well for Oregon so that's definitely going to be big and uh, I'm excited to see who they can get on boarding at at quarterback Um, you know in 2021 they had Ty Thompson on in March um, and you know they really took off on the recruiting trail after that and then in 2022, they had Tanner Bailey, but after the staff change, he decided to open up his recruitment, went back on the market, and ended up at South Carolina. Um, so the Ducks ended up bringing in Bo Nix, the uh, Auburn quarterback transfer, and um, a lot of people were just really focused on that uh, quarterback battle in uh, spring between uh, Bo Nix and Ty Thompson, Jay Butterfield. Maybe we see the Ducks bring in another quarterback, but I don't, I don't f- particularly feel like that's likely uh, at this point in time. But, um, yeah, it looks like that is, uh, that's thats going to do it for this episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. A big thank you to everyone who tuned in live over on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus. Uh, if you guys are here, it would be a big help if you could subscribe to the channel. And then uh, if you guys are uh, listening on the podcasting apps, thank you so much for listening. If you guys want to find more of me, you can find me on Twitter at that name on your screen there, at Sports. Uh, I tweet out tons of updates over there, and it's a lot faster than YouTube. But if you are on YouTube, you can also hit the notification bell so that you don't miss any of these lives in the future um, so we can get, interact and I can answer your questions. And and uh, we can just have some good duck conversation. And then make sure to head on over to ducksdigest.com uh, where you can find all of our written content. We have a lot of hoops updates uh, up there of late. And then um, we're going to be covering the combine, obviously, next month and uh, spring football whenever that starts up. So head on over there. And then we're also at Ducks Digest on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. So a big thank you to everyone for stopping by and and listening to the podcast. I hope everyone's having a good week, and we will be back with uh, another live show, another podcast, probably later this week. So thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you in the next episode. Take care. This is the story of the one.